Uh, junior high, high school are in the service on communion Sundays. Come back. Oh, my gosh. Lindsay's bringing them back. You can see Lindsay's wearing the uh, Jesus is Essential shirt. That's the, not that we're sexist, but that's the more feminine version. This is the more Tesla version. All are available for purchase soon. Um, what are we charging? 80 bucks a shirt? Yeah. 15 or 16, maybe just a 20 and I'll pocket the rest. Um, yeah, we should have those uh, relatively soon and you can, you can have your Coast Bible swag. Look at that. Yeah. Cool. Um, we're uh, continuing our series, You Say, uh, this week. Last week, we met um, Nicodemus, and he was going through an identity crisis. And Jesus was like, buddy, the only solution for this identity crisis is for you to start recognizing your real, who you really are, is the, the son of the Father, the son, a son of God, a child of God. You need to have that be your primary identity. But what Jesus didn't tell him last week was, was how to get in on that, how to make that real, how to make that happen. And so we're going to take a look at that today. Um, I remember about 10 years ago, uh, there was an article by Peggy Noonan, who uh, used to, I think she was a speechwriter for Ronald Reagan, and then she got into the business of writing opinion editorial type things. And 10 years ago, in 2010, let me set the stage for you, kids, you, junior hires, you were basically unconscious at this time. Um, but what had happened was there had been this big oil spill. Uh, BP, I think, had a big oil spill like next to New Orleans. And there was oil everywhere. And it was summertime, and, and the country... Was America was going through this really kind of just one thing after another going wrong. And then there's all these dead like seagulls popping up to the surface and, and everyone's just kind of looking around being like, what the heck is going on? And Peggy Newton, she said, we're snake bit. We're snake bit. And that's a, that's a slang term, but what it means is, is it means that anything that can go wrong is going to go wrong. And that's what's happened to the United States, she said in 2010. Peggy, let me tell you about 2020. <laughs> I, you, you have no idea what snake bit is. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I, at the beginning of this year, I, I, nothing that's happened was at all on anyone's radar. And it seems like uh, we really are in this place where you know, you t you're tempting fate if you say, well, it can't get any worse. <laughs> because it does, consistently. Like, holy moly. Uh, when, when on Friday I woke up and, like, all my friends were texting me, they're like, Trump's dying of COVID. I was like, what the heck is going on? Like, is there any more insanity that, and I, like, stop myself because the answer is clearly yes, and I do not want to invite any more nonsense, craziness, and we, we're snake bit. 2020 is snake bit. Everything that can go wrong is going wrong. 
and we've still got three months to go. It's like, I'm telling you, pretty soon, like that movie Armageddon, that's going to be real. There's going to be like an asteroid. We're like, Ben Affleck, blow that thing up. Um, what's so weird, what's so interesting is that when, when Jesus is answering the question that Nicodemus is asking, how do I become born from above? How do I make God my father? Jesus answers. His answer has to do with being snake bit. And so I just want to, I want to read um, the, the continuation. We're in John 3. And this is uh, verse 14 to 16, 3, 14 to 16. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. What? Okay. So that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish, but have eternal life. Now, you may remember from last week that Nicodemus wasn't an ordinary guy. Nicodemus was a, a Pharisee, and he was a ruler in the, Jewish, in the Jewish ruling council, which means he knew his Old Testament. They thought of it as the Bible or the Hebrew scriptures, but he knew it really well, better probably than most of us. In fact, almost certainly better than most of us. And so when Nicodemus heard this, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, he wasn't like most of us. We're like, what? What? No, why? Just as who did what? Uh, the, the Greek there, kathos, uh, kathos, it's like, just as in exactly the same way that Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And, and I suggest to you that, that what Nicodemus is doing is he really wants to know how to be born from above. And Jesus is telling him, if you want to get it, if you really want to get it, you've got to remember this story. And so I want to read you the story that Jesus is, is referencing. It's from Numbers 21. This is taking place when uh, the people of Israel, that's Nicodemus and Jesus, their, their, their ancestors, they've left Egypt and they're, they're, they're wandering around in the wilderness trying to get to the, the promised land. Numbers 21 says, They marched from Mount Hor on the Red Sea Road around the land of Edom. What's going on is that Edom was a place that was hostile to Israel, and so God sends them around Edom so they don't get in any fights. So he's, he's like avoiding combat. But the people became impatient on the road. They spoke against God and Moses. Why'd you bring us up from Egypt just to kill us in the desert where there's no food or water? And we hate this miserable bread. So Yahweh sent poisonous snakes, literally fiery snakes, fiery snakes among the people and they bit the people. Many of the Israelites died. The people went to Moses and said, we've sinned for we spoke against Yahweh and you. Pray to Yahweh, pray to the Lord so that he'll send the snakes away from us. Get rid of these things. So Moses prayed for the people. Yahweh said to Moses, make a poisonous snake and place it on a pole. Whoever is bitten can look at it and live. Moses made a bronze snake and placed it on a pole. If a snake bit someone, that person could look at the bronze snake and live. What an odd story. Wow. There's God sending snakes and they're biting people. They're fiery snakes um, indicating that when they bite, 
It's like the, the burning sensation, which then increases until you die. What? How, do, how does this have anything to do with becoming born from above? Well, let's look at it. Let's look at it and, and, and think in, in exactly the same way that, that, that the Nicodemus would have thought. First, notice what the Israelites did wrong. What, what's, what did they do? They, they became impatient. And then they spoke against God and Moses. In the, uh, in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, uh, it's they slandered God. Right? That, uh, why? Because they're accusing God of trying to kill them. They're like, God, why did you bring us to this desert? We're going to die. Why are you killing us with no, no, no food and water? They say, we hate this bread. If you remember, God gives them a manna from the sky. So they have these little like flat cakes that they can eat. But they're bored of them. They're sick and tired of this, of this free food that God's giving them. So, uh, so uh, is everyone, are all children back to school so- somewhat? Yeah. Mostly, kind of. Um, so it got real dicey in the Bennett household there in, in the month of August because Aaron was working full time. So I was in charge of three kids thrice weekly. Uh, Lauren Ballinger was, was spelling me on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but it was pretty, pretty bad. And um, every day, my goal was to minimize the amount of misery that I would go through um, by listening to my kids. And so on one day, my, my finest day, I'm going to uh, share with you what I did. The greatest day of summer. I have a picture here of all the things that we did. First, I took the kids to my parents and my dad's community pool. And I, and I let them swim and frolic, tire themselves out. Went for an hour and a half. As soon as we were done, I got them into the, the car. My little Mazda 5 took them to Chick-fil-A. Everybody got what they wanted. Alice got chicken tenders. Olivia got chicken nuggets. Soren got the leftovers. I got the spicy deluxe, take the tomatoes off. What happens is my kids go, can we go see Jameson? For those of you who don't know, uh, Jameson Walker, uh, Trenton, and Misty's oldest, he works at Chick-fil-A. And so the kids like to go and order from him. They're like, oh, Jameson is here. We know him. So we went to Chick-fil-A. On the way home from Chick-fil-A, Olivia was needling Soren so he wouldn't fall asleep. Like, keep him awake just long enough to get home. We get home. I send him up to his crib for a two and a half hour glorious nap. During that time, we play Animal Crossing on the Switch. The girls are having the time of their lives. Soren gets up. I put on Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, make him some more nuggets, and then put on, because the kids wanted to see it, 1984's Ghostbusters. <laughs> they thought it was fantastic. There were some parts I had to, like, fast forward. They're a little bit adult. Um, but what was great about it was that the movie works for kids, but all the jokes <laughs> only we get. It's awesome. Fun, fun family film. So, as soon as Ghostbusters ends, I'm like, man, I'm a pretty good dad, right? And they're like, where's mommy? When's she coming home? I'm like, what? We're bored. What? I, we don't, we don't want to help you fold the laundry. No. Like, what? How dare you? I just, I, the pool, the Chick-fil-A, the Animal Crossing, the Ghostbusters. You've had the best day of your lives. And they're like, this is horrible. This, this is awful. 
Well, I think one of the reasons that Numbers has the story of the people being like, we're sick of your free food, God. We're tired of being freed from slavery. <laughs> you're, you're the worst. One of the reasons is it's showing that human beings haven't ever stopped being kids. And part of being a kid is being ungrateful, selfish, self-interested. We're all like that. Every last one of us. And we sit there and we're like, oh, those Israelites, those fit. Right, because we're, we're not sitting here being like, open up the movie theaters, Newsom. We deserve movies. Give us our movies back. Only 25% in a restaurant? How dare you, sir? Give me my restaurants back. We, none of us have done that. Right? None of us. We've all been like, oh, this is great. We, we love this. Thank you for keeping us safe, Governor. Maybe it's the case. Maybe it's the case that exactly what Israel was doing, we all do. And so God is like, you're going to tell me that I'm trying to kill you? <laughs> okay. And the snakes come and they bite and they really do kill. Now remember Jesus is telling us to Nicodemus, right? Well, what's Nicodemus supposed to make of this? Well, I think that what's going on is, is those snake bites and the snakes, those are symbols for sin. And what happens when you get bit, when you, when you go after God and you're like, God, no thanks, I'm, in, I'm ungrateful, I, I, my plan's better, whatever. You, just like the Israelites were, were then suddenly bitten by their sin and then they died, so we die. Spiritually and then ultimately physically too. I mean, we know that if we continue in sin and we do bad things, eventually it catches up to us. And so the first thing in your note sheets and the first thing that Nicodemus is hearing is that everyone is snake bit by sin. Sin leaves everybody snake bit. And snake bit means you're going to die. You're spiritually dead. And ultimately you're going to be physically dead. So what else is going on in this text? Very cool. One of my favorite parts. Uh, so the people... Once the snakes start coming in, they're like, oh, this is what it looks like when God thinks that we're, we're ready to die. Got it. This is much worse than the free food and the not being in slavery. And they're like, we've made a mistake. And so they go, Moses, will you just pray on our behalf and tell God to get rid of the snakes? And then problem solved, right? Just get rid of the snakes and everyone goes back to happy, happy, go lucky. We'll eat the free food. We'll be grateful that we... And, and so then God does, right? God's like, all right, send in the snakes. No. God actually says no to their request. And, and they're probably in a place where like, okay, we get it. We kind of deserve this. But we kind of remove. We might sort of be like, God, couldn't you have done better than this? Like what, you're going to leave them to, to just keep getting bitten by snakes? Like, that seems like a really mean thing to do. And if we think symbolically, we might be able to say if, if the snakes and the snake bites represent sin, then what God's kind of been saying is like, I'm not just going to get rid. I'm not going to stop you guys from sinning. I'm not going to stop the world from being snake bit. If you want to keep doing what you're going to do, I'm going to let you do it. I'm not going to prevent you from going and doing these awful things and suffering the consequences. I'm not going to stop it. 
Why? Well, I told you earlier that uh, Lucas um, didn't want to come today because he wanted to do some dirt bike riding. When he first told me that he was into dirt bike riding, dirt bike riding, I was like, well, that's stupid, but, you know, everyone does what they do. And I assumed that what he meant was like, like what the Koblenzes do, where you, like, go to the desert and you, like, I guess jump off sand dunes. Is that how it works? Kind of. It's like, oh, I jumped off a sand dune. Like, awesome. Uh, but, but Lucas takes it to the next level. He's not content simply to jump off sand dunes. No, Lucas likes to participate in competitive racing dirt bike riding. Uh, he's actually really good at it. Um, so when he goes off like the big jump, he's the one who like does the Superman where he flies off the back. He wins every single time. He's, uh, he's thinking about going pro. Actually, he said he's really bad at it. I don't know. And I, I was thinking once I found out, I was like, what is his wife thinking? Letting him do that. I've met Kate. She's great. She's not stupid. So I, it's like, wh- why would she allow this obviously idiotic activity to continue for a long period of time? Because we know exactly what's going to happen. It's already happened. He's going to get injured. He's probably going to die. Why are we letting this go on? Some of you are like, all right, uh, Sam. Men in our, our family, the man says, no, woman, I do what I want. Yeah, right. You're a liar. <laughs> that, that, that describes no household ever. So I, I and, and it occurred to me, because Kate's a loving, you know, compassionate wife. She's like, you know, over time, the blood, the broken ankles, <laughs> Bill is like, a 70-year-old man's body and at only 40 years old. Like, at a certain point, at a certain point, you're going to be like, this is a really bad idea and I should stop. You're going to learn, right? And she's like, and chances are Lucas isn't going to, you know, he's just going to get some injuries and he's going to realize now is the time to put away childish things and grow up. Dude, I'm so sorry. I mean, not really, but a little bit. Um, I think maybe something similar is going on with God, right? God, God's looking at the Israelites and he's like, yeah, I could take away all the consequences of your behavior. Sure. I could make it so that, you know, all the snakes leave. I could prevent people from doing what they want to do. I could stop you from these behaviors that you're continuing in. I could do that. But how would you learn anything if I did? And one of the crazy things that we have to recognize about God is that, yeah, God is involved. He ultimately doesn't want the Israelites to die. It doesn't mean he's not willing to let them get bit. That's the next thing in your note sheets. God doesn't protect us from sin's bite. And Nicodemus knows this. Nicodemus has felt the bite of sin. If you were here last week, you know that he was in the middle of an identity crisis. He was completely, he was just 
confused about life. Sin had gotten him. And he was starting to feel it. He was starting to recognize it. And he was like, I should have all the answers. I should be the best. I should be, you know, seeing, ready to go to the kingdom of God. And yet I'm not sure that I am. So what's God's solution? He says, okay, Moses, I want you to take a fiery snake, put it on a pole, and anyone who looks at it will live. So Moses does. He makes a bronze snake. He puts it on a pole. Kind of the, the image that we get is sort of like high up above everybody. And, and we should have this image because, of course, Jesus is going to compare this to the cross, right? Where he was on the hill and the cross was at the top of the hill. And so everyone who's being bitten by snakes, they can look up and they can see at the top of the hill the big pole with the, the, the snake on it. And they look at it and they get better. Well, maybe not better, but at least they don't die. They look at it and they live. Um, that's not fair. We know that when you do something wrong, you gotta really pay for it, right? You gotta, you gotta make amends. You gotta do something. You gotta, you can't just, that, that, that's crazy. There's nothing like that in the world except, well, there's one thing, a couple things actually. I have, uh, th- some pictures here of, uh, of some of these guys. In the middle there is um, uh, Alexander Fleming. He was a Scottish uh, scientist. On the left is uh, Floyer, I think his name was. And on the right is Chain. In uh, the 1920s, the guy in the middle, Alexander um, Fleming, he started experimenting with this, uh, this, this um, small microbe called penicillin. And he, and he found out that wherever penicillin was, if there were... Um, bacteria next to it, the penicillin would like, like swallow them up. And he was like, this could be really helpful. I'm not sure how, but it could be really helpful. He, he waved his arms for a generation, about 20 years. He, this was like the 1915, 1920 when he was doing this, but no one paid attention until uh, these guys, Floyer and Chain, they, uh, in the 1940s, they, they were like, they, they heard about his research and they were like, man, this could be really, really helpful uh, treating infections. But we got to figure out how to like, you know, develop the microbe and we got to make sure that we can mass produce it, make it safe, all of those things. And so, and so they did. Um, and, and, well, they tried. They, they got some, some working ones and they, they actually treated like some, a burned fireman. They, they treated an, an injured policeman and they got, and the results were exciting, but they were um, in England and the English are notoriously conservative and just, they're not super quick-witted. So what these guys did is they were like, if we really want to make it with this thing, we got to go somewhere where they know how to make a buck. So they came to America. And in America, uh, Merck, the pharmaceutical company, and uh, Pfizer, the other pharmaceutical company, were like, wait, so you're telling us that we can develop a drug here that saves lives and then we can sell it and make a billion dollars? Okay. And so they did that. And then uh, right around 1944, they had developed that they had 2.3 million doses of penicillin so that every man who got off the boats at, the, uh, at Normandy had penicillin so that if he got shot, he wouldn't die of an infection. We don't think about it now because it's almost uh, unheard of, but in, in the world before 1944, uh, you didn't just die from getting shot. You died from getting infected afterwards. 
In the last 75 years is the 75th year, 75th anniversary of um, penicillin becoming available to normal people. 1945 uh, became available. We estimate that about 200 million lives uh, have been saved um, because of penicillin. I mean, think about this drug, right? Oh, you've got like, you know, this, this infection that's pussing and all that. Here, take this pill for two weeks. You'll be fine. Wait, that's it? You're not going to cut my arm off? Wait, that's all? I just take the pill? And I'm safe? God says to Moses, anyone who looks will live. They're going to look up and they're going to see the snake, which is probably, you know, symbolizing, this is my fault, this is sin, right? I did this. And really only God can save me. And that's it. Nicodemus was a Pharisee and a leader in the ruling council in, in Jerusalem, meaning that his assumption was that in order to be, you know, in the kingdom of God, a part of the people of Israel, you need to, you know, be circumcised. You need to follow laws. You need to do all these things. There's got to be something. Jesus, tell me what I got to do. Tell me what I got to do to get in. What's the five-step process? Look and live. That's it. Listen, let's go back to John 3. Listen, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, crucified, put on the cross, so that everyone who believes in him, everyone who trusts him, has eternal life. That's it. Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever looks at him in trust shall not perish but have eternal life. You want to know how to be able to call God Father. You want to know how to be a child of God. You want to know how to be, have entrance into the kingdom. You want to know all of these things. Look and live. That's it. Really, there's nothing else. This one's a freebie. It's the last thing your note sheets. If you want eternal life, the life of the age to come, look and live. That's really it. You look up to Jesus and you trust him in the same way that the Israelites looked at that fiery serpent and the life is yours and there's nothing else you have to do. Well, that's going to bring up some questions. That's going to bring up some questions for us, right? Question number one. Am, am I snake bit? 
right? Because what, what Jesus is saying is he's looking at Nicodemus, he's like, everyone's snake bit. Everyone, the, sin, the sin has gotten everybody. And there's a lot of us in this culture, especially our, our time now, our culture now, where we're like, yeah, I'm pretty decent. Look, I, I didn't riot this summer, and I could have. I, I'm sorry, pr- protest. Um, I could have. I could have lit some stuff on fire, you know, maybe brought an AR-15 into public, but I didn't. I'm a decent person. I think I pay taxes. My mom would know better than I do, but I'm pretty sure I do. I try to be kind for the most part. I'm not really snake bit, am I? All the Israelites did was what all of us do. They got impatient. And in the quietness of their hearts, they thought they knew better than God. And then they complained about it. And I'd suggest that there's probably nobody here who can say that they haven't done the same. And so if you've been snake bit, and this is the first, you're starting to think, whoa, maybe I, maybe I, maybe I am. Maybe this is me. Then the next step for you is to look and live. You need to say, the only way I'm going to get life is by looking up at that bronze serpent. Because if this is true, if this is, if this is accurate, what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, then this is life or death. This is it. This is the big time. If you're snake bitten, and Jesus says everyone is, then the only hope is to look at Jesus and trust him. And so there's another question. There's probably some of you here, some of us here, who um, may wonder, have I really looked at Jesus for Maybe we think, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, look, I give. I give generously. I've given Jesus a lot of money. Given Jesus a lot of stuff. Doesn't that count? Or maybe, look, I, I've been super kind to a lot of people. I've... And I think Jesus owes me a good one here. God owes me. God owes me this life because I'm pretty great. Or maybe what I'm really depending on is the fact that I'm awesome. You may be awesome. In fact, honestly, I know most of you and you are pretty awesome. But that doesn't get you life. And the last one, I think this one may be the most important for this congregation. Do I have trouble believing it's as simple as look and live? Is that really it? Because if we're being brutally honest, that's not fair. It shouldn't be that easy. It shouldn't be that I just take penicillin for two weeks and I'm cured. There should be more. Remember, you know, being snake bit means that you have basically sh- shaken your fist, shaken your fist at God and said, the way you're doing things, I got better plans. And if we take seriously the offense that that is, then God should not let you off with just... Just look, just trust, 
What God ought to do is force you to work for it. And so maybe some of us think, well, you know what? Okay, all right. Maybe, it's, maybe God really is super gracious. Maybe he is. But then, okay, obviously, after I've trusted Jesus, then that's when, you know, I've got to prove that I've really trusted him. I've got to show everybody that I really have looked and lived. I have, I have to demonstrate to the world and to everyone that I'm a, I'm a Christian, that I have this life. And what happens, and I've seen this many, many times, is that you get into a cycle of guilt and shame because guess what? Whether or not you have looked and lived, you don't stop getting bitten. The sin doesn't leave. I know some of the holiest people that are sitting right here in front of me people who have been all in on discipleship and commitment. And you know something? If they're honest, they still struggle. I still struggle with the same sins that I struggled with when I was four and 11, especially once you hit puberty. That's when things go really haywire. Um, it, It doesn't quit. And so if you're sitting there being like, it can't, it can't just be that simple. It can't be that simple. Well, guess what? You have just consigned yourself to a life of misery and guilt and self-loathing because you are still bit. And, if, and you're, you're going to be like, oh, maybe I don't really have the eternal life. Maybe it, because it's got to be harder than that. It's got to be difficult. If it is, you are in big trouble. Because if you're honest with yourself, there's still a part of you. And there always will be a part of you in this life, in this body, that continues to say, God, I don't like your plan. I like my plan. I'm tired of your free bread, and I'm sick and tired of not being in slavery. So I'm going right back to slavery where I belong. Now, I'm not going to deny it. We can have this conversation. There, there, I, I really do believe that God actually has a very large plan for holiness and transformation and how this works out with heaven and hell. Come tomorrow to the Bible study, chapter four, four views on hell, first edition. It's going to be awesome. Um, I do believe there's a way to square these circles and it's deep. We're not going to get into it today. If, if these questions plague you, come talk to me. But the place we all have to start, every last one of us, is to say, I'm snake bit. And there's only one thing that's going to give me life. I got to look and live. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we come before you as people who are snake bit, plagued by sin, doomed to spiritual and physical death. And yet, God, you've called us to become your children. You've called us to be your sons and daughters. And you provided a way out, not to end the bites, not to end sin in our lives forever, but to give us the promise of life, to actualize it now to see transformation and hope, to be able to call you dad. 
God, for anyone here who's never said that simple prayer, Jesus, I trust you for life. I pray that we pray that now together. Jesus, we trust you for life. We've sinned. Only you can take it away and we trust you to do it. End of story. Jesus, save us. And for those of us, God, who, who, who prayed that prayer a thousand times and, and we always go back and find ourselves lacking and wanting, Lord, I pray that you give us the assurance that your life doesn't depend on our life, that you give it, and it's eternal. That we can be confident that we're your kids, even when we don't act like it, over and over and over again. God, may we live into our citizenship in your kingdom to really be your kids and to act like it. May that be our identity, knowing that we've looked and lived and so we're yours. End of story. And may we share this glorious news with everyone around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.